This is The Art Show by Teapotcast with your host Milo H.G. Waters. Made with Zencaster, distributed by Anchor. For more information about this week's artist, check the description below. But now, sit back, pop the kettle on, and enjoy the conversation. Welcome, one and all. It is my pleasure to introduce Nick Ball from Nick Ball and the Wrong Crowd. It is a pleasure to have you here, man. Tell me, what is in your teapot? Um, just plain Yorkshire tea. Got it right here. This is my TARDIS teapot that I got for Christmas this year. It's a beautiful uh, teapot. Yeah, and this is my M&M mug. That's, I'm a big fan of novelty, novelty ceramics, as you can tell. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I've I've just got my uh, my Earl Grey and my really corny um, live your life mug. <laughs> I always find yeah. Earl Grey. I always expected it to be grey the first time I had it. I was quite disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be less appealing if it was just this sort mm. of manky grey tea, wouldn't it? Yeah. But uh, yeah, so um, you're headlining uh, the Leeds Cabaret Extravaganza, right? That I've had a a little hand in producing, and that's going on this weekend. And uh, yeah, I think we should just say a few words about that because it's going to be a really great night. Uh, we've got a variety of circus acts, comedy and music, and it's all for an incredible cause. The, uh, the Sue Ryder Foundation that offers uh, palliative care, uh, they have a hospice in Leeds, all the tickets, uh, all the proceeds will be going straight there. And uh, yeah, if anybody listening, watching uh, would fancy coming along, it's going to be a great night and we'd love to see you there. Um, so yeah, and thank you to you for headlining it, man. We're uh, really happy to have you. Um, so tell us a little bit about the wrong crowd. Like, how did you guys get together? How did it all start for you? So I used to kind of play music as almost like background music in pubs and restaurants and stuff like that. And then as sort of work dried up in pubs and I was doing the same circuit, I ventured out to doing weddings. Um, and I was usually the sort of, I wasn't the main entertainment for the wedding. It'd be like during the meal or before the bride walks down the aisle and stuff like that. And I met these guys because they were doing the evening entertainment. They were the full band and it was this really posh wedding. I did the meet the music during the meal and these guys were the entertainment and basically the band came on and I was still there just packing my stuff away, having a drink and this father of the bride was really, really posh, got really angry, wasn't impressed with the music. I don't know whether it's like an age thing, but the music was loud. It was rock music. and With, with you or with the, uh, with the band? No, this was the band. So this was before I kind of knew them. And he was like, no, this is rubbish. Get off stage. And then pointed at me and was like, you get back here. And I was playing like, I don't know, sort of what I would call really boring music like Travis and Coldplay that just kind of is there to please people as background music and maybe might appeal more to an older generation because it's a bit more calming and he was like you're going to get back on stage and you're going to play and it was a very awkward interaction and I ended up talking to the lads afterwards and that's how I initially met them and I was like I was at a stage where I was a bit bored of doing my own thing so I just kind of asked oh well you know, would you be willing to help me out do some recording on some tracks just as kind of playing drums, bass, guitar? And that's kind of how it started. We went into a studio, 
I recorded two tracks with them and then we were like, oh, would you be willing to do a live show as well? And it just kind of carried on from that. That's fantastic. I mean, that's a great story to start in a band. Uh, so we've got a couple of your tracks here. Um, mm. I was thinking uh, we could maybe start off, play a little sample with uh, electricity. And yeah. Uh, yeah, and then we can talk a bit about that. It's like it's. Do you know you. what? I hate I hate using this term because it's just so nebulous. But indie rock is the the term that comes to mind. But I'm really interested in just sort of hearing about your your influences and how this kind of sound came together because it's got this kind of like really distinctive like there's a there's a hardness in there, a little bit of sort of like a little bit of killers, a little bit of stereophonics, that kind of vibe. But um, there's definitely your own your own twist there. So uh, yeah, could you just tell us a little bit about sort of how this how this sound came about in terms of the sound it's a bit it's a bit of a weird one like i've i've heard the killers i've heard the stereophonics before which i'm completely fine with but um when i started out writing music i never had the intention of like i want it to sound like this band and throughout kind of years i've had very different influences like i started probably listening to pop punk music like green day and my chemical romance then all the way through to like singer-songwriters like Ed Sheeran and James Bay and George Ezra. And as it came to like band music, I, I just wrote songs, people dived in, and it's going to sound really un... Like it's going to sound like such a lie, but it just kind of made that sound itself. Um, and that particular song, I, I remember thinking in our set, oh, we haven't got a really... We need like an upbeat really driving song to maybe start the set with which we i think would yeah. what probably like the last seven times of gig that's the first song we play because it's just it just seems like a good opening track um and that's i guess where the closest thing i can say about the sound is it comes from wanting a good opening track to start the set with 
and it kind of just being quite punchy and powerful. Yeah, man, for sure. Well, yeah, I mean, you definitely need something to uh, to get people moving at the start of a set, don't you? Um, but like, how? So, how does it work with you and the band members? Like, do you sort of all have a hand in writing? Like, what's what's your process like? How do you how do you put these things together? It, it's changed a bit from the start. So, I used to uh, just write on a guitar vocals, sort of have an idea in the back of my mind how things are going to sound. Um, but then I'd take that guitar track, that vocal track, to the band, and he'd be like, "What do you think of this? Can you add your bit, like, kind of your take on it and bits?" But as it's gone through, I've become really kind of more obsessive, and kind of decided that I one day I'm just going to write the bass part because I've come up with a cool bass part, and now I'm going to write the drums as well. And it doesn't stay strictly true to those kind of demos that I make myself in my bedroom. Like I'll take the track to a drummer because I'm not a drummer and he'll come up with something miles better than the what I can write. Um, but it depends on the song. If I'm really like a lost kind of like brick wall of where to go with it, I can take it to one of the band members and they'll help me out. But sometimes I'm like, right, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to write everything for this track and that'll be it. So it's it depends, I guess, is the short answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> no that's fair yeah and uh yeah i think that's uh i think that's the best way to do it you know you've got to keep it fluid keep it adaptable haven't you because uh otherwise it you know it, it starts sounding very stiff and samey and uh yeah there's certainly you know a fair bit of variety in your music and i really like that um so didn't you guys have a uh have a big show in manchester that was uh supported by the bbc am i right in this yeah so it was what november I got a call from a lady who was just like, yeah, we, I've seen your music video and we want to play, play a song on BBC Radio 2, which was really crazy because there wasn't any link there to Radio 2 before. And this music video, I just shot myself on my iPhone of us basically going on tour. This is what we get up to and it's three minutes 30. And it got shared like over 50 times on facebook without kind of any sponsored ads or in like paid engagement and it just got word of mouth passed through there and then we played this gig it got played on radio too like before the song was played it was like and the gut and nipple in the wrong crowd have got this gig playing in manchester it was all a bit crazy where it came from but it was awesome and it, we sold out the gig like what the day after we put it on sale which we've never done before it was, it was mad wow that's brilliant so yeah it just totally just kind of snowballed from like a just odd chance somebody hearing your music and really liking it and uh yeah just going from there that's yeah really and then cool, really cool. yeah and, and since then like the lady who got us played she's absolute gem she's like if you've got any more tracks send them to me first try and get you played i think we've been playing on radio two like three times now and she's a big supporter of us and she'll she'll like she'll do anything to like try and get us to in touch with the right people to get the band hopefully bigger so yeah man. that's great so it kind of sounds like you've uh you've sort of stumbled into a manager like <laughs> without having to I, go looking for one kind of i, I, I don't know because she's she mainly works completely in radio mm -hmm. and it's like she's a producer of radio too and that's how we got in but 
she know she knows managers, which fingers crossed, you know. Hey, yeah. If we produce more more tracks that she likes, then hopefully things will head in the right way. Yeah, well, I'm sure they will, man. I mean, uh, what's what's on the horizon for you guys at the moment? Because um, obviously, like the, you know, the lockdown and everything has kind of put a put a bit of a damper on live performance. But uh, yeah, do you have anything lined up? Any plans for the future? Yeah, so we we're going to the studio what in a week and a half which is like the first time in about a year we've been allowed to go into like a recording studio, which is, it's going to, it's going to feel so weird. I think just, I'll get, I'll get emotional with the amount of normality I can feel that day. Um, and then we have a gig, obviously we've got the Leeds cabaret extravaganza coming up. Uh, uh, what is it? You know, this weekend. And then we've got a socially distanced gig uh, in July in manchester and then the big the big one which we're hoping will go ahead it'll be like 250 capacity is the star and garter on the 29th of november but that's like so far away and we don't know whether 250 people will be allowed in a room just gotta play it by ear i guess so (laughs) yeah and i mean that's the trouble at the moment it's just there's so much uncertainty around isn't there it's uh it's really difficult to plan ahead but um but yeah, where's this one in uh, in July happening? Uh, can you say any more specifically? The Manchester yeah, yeah, no, it's at a place called Lock Ninety One on Deansgate, Manchester, and uh, I'm gonna check my calendar because I've got too many dates in there to remember. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's the twenty second of July. I'm gonna find out. It's the twenty second of July. I'm right. Uh, I'm f- like, hey, spot on. I just I just looked at the Instagram post there and the captions fingers crossed because even even socially distanced ones it's like you say you can't predict what's going to happen. Yeah, it's yeah, it's so tricky at the moment. I mean, uh, yeah, I've been uh, trying to get stuff going over lockdown. It's just felt like hammering my head into a brick wall. So uh, to finally have something going on, even if it is just uh, you know even online. Um, really really good feels great to be getting back into it but uh man like the diary has just been so empty for so long and now it's started to fill up it's just like oh god i've forgotten what it's like to actually have a schedule and have to check things and know when stuff is happening <laughs> it's i feel like it's going to be like we're going to live about two years in the space of two months yeah, and yeah. the way things are going to go it's like everything's getting rescheduled it's like oh we're going to push everything to october november december and I'll be go. I'll be going to loads of gigs. I'll hopefully be playing loads of gigs. It, yeah, it's going to be a bit, a bit of a mental end of the year if all goes to plan. Yeah, and it, I think we need that. You know, I think uh, everything's been uh, so well. Yeah, locked down. You know, the lid's off now. Like everybody, you know, everybody just wants to do as much as they can, make up for all that lost time. Uh, do you have any gigs in particular that you want to get to? Uh, anything specifically caught your eye? Um, I've I'm trying to think. I've got ones booked. I really want to go to a festival though. That is, that is my like. It's basically my summer holiday going to festivals. And last year was the first year in about six years I haven't gone to one. Uh, ideally, my choice of festival would be Glastonbury. It's oh yeah, it's the best place in the world for me. Um, yeah. but what what about yourself? Have you got anything that you really want to get to? um so i'm kind of broke at the moment <laughs> which is putting a bit of a hamper on my summer plans but um so i uh i i booked a um a, uh, this thing in manchester that was god 
Festival of the Dead. That was it. Um, so it was like this big, um, like kind of uh, circus and music night in Manchester that was supposed to be happening uh, last year or the year before, I think. It's just been pushed back and pushed back. Um, so hopefully that's going down in November uh, this year. And I'm really, really hoping to get to that. Um, yeah, fingers crossed, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, other than that, there's uh, the Fringe Festival happening in Buxton, where I live. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll hopefully be getting around that. Got a few things going on there. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. I need to make some money first before I buy any tickets, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've got another track of yours here. Um, so this is tomorrow. So uh, yeah, how about we play a little sample of that yeah, and cool. uh, yeah, see what we can see what we make of it. because you were saying about the first track um electricity i think it was uh that you needed something uh kind of pump in to start your set get a lot of energy in there um seems a lot of your stuff is quite high energy i feel like i could have a have a boogie to any of it to be honest like it's all pretty toe tapping but uh yeah like i mean uh, yeah i love it man there's just something great about that like that really heavy drum beat and the um you know the big group tomorrow kind of thing like really you know Sounds like a re really good sort of move-in, big stadium crowd-pleaser kind of thing. Um, yeah, and it's it's great to see uh, music with so much energy to it as well. Like, I mean, how like what's the experience of performing live uh, for you like? You know, do you, do you kind of uh, do you get moving? Like, do you really like to get the crowd pumping? Do you improvise a lot? What's yeah? What's it like to you compared to recording in a studio? Uh, it's it's very different. Like. In terms of recording issue, I do enjoy it because it's like a place where you can write and just completely change songs. But once those songs are recorded, it feels like they can't be edited or changed. They're released. And whereas I, I absolutely love kind of being on stage and that version of Tomorrow, we do uh, it's like an end bit with the what are O's and we carry that on for ages, get the crowd singing and clapping as much as possible. But for me, performing on stage, it's, I, I don't know, it's like the meat and drink for me. It's the bit I love more than anything. I have the kind of attitude that you've got to walk into the, whether you're headlining, whether you're the support act, you've got to walk on stage as if everyone's there not to see you. And 
you're there to win everybody over. So I try and don't get me wrong. I'm sure I make a dick of myself sometimes, but I will try and to cover every square inch of that stage. Like I, I I'm a, I want to be like the most energetic front man possible as if I am playing a stadium and I need to hit the person right at the back of the venue as much as I do right at the front of the stage. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I Yeah, I really, really appreciate that attitude, actually. Because, um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, it can sometimes feel with the, you know, with like really big artists, um, you know, who've kind of like gotten a very like easy start into the industry. They've been doing it for a long time. It can feel like sometimes they take the crowd for granted or you get some front men who are kind of very like, you know, they're they're there to kind of show off kind of thing and mm-hmm. i think having that that appreciation for your audience and going in like you know you're here to convince these people to like you to to really give them something that's uh that's valuable that's going to make their night um yeah i think that's uh i think that's really admirable actually and uh yeah really great for you to kind of go into it like that um, I, I, mean, I don't know what i don't know what you think but like when i when i go to a gig the bands that I really enjoy seeing are the ones that, like, F- Dave Grohl, Foo Fighters, amazing frontman, just, like, runs up and down, like, Brandon Flowers, The Killers, Bruce Springsteen. I I, I I love watching the people who, like, make the audience just, like, put a smile on their face, dance, make them clap. And, like you say, you do get the ones who just kind of stand there, play the music, and then walk off. I, I can't understand it, but, yeah. Nah, doesn't make sense. But uh, yeah, no, I yeah, I totally get that. I mean, um, probably my favorite gig that I've ever been to uh, was for my 18th birthday. Um, me and my friend went to see uh, James uh, when they oh, yeah. when they reunited. Yeah, on their, their first tour after they reunited. And uh, I can remember like, uh, you know, we're waiting for them to come on. Um, and then we start hearing the, the trumpet going and no one's on stage. And we're looking around and then we see like uh, Tim Booth and gotten his name the guy, the guy who plays the trumpet um like coming out like at the back of the audience in oh, manchester right. stadium and like walking through the audience playing this trumpet to um oh god the song name's gone out of my head now but it was yeah it was just so great like just such a such a surprise in that moment like you know we start hearing the music looking around like Where? oh my god there he is he's right next to me <laughs> um oh, yeah he's as well he's he's a great dancer yeah, he really, yeah, he is. I love his dancing, man. And uh, you know, and uh, like any anybody can stage dive. Like his uh, his thing where like he walks out into the audience, um, and like and keeps his bal. How the hell he keeps his balance yeah. doing that is is beyond me. But um, yeah, that was uh, that was probably probably one of my favorite experiences um, of live music. I mean, do do you have any that like really stand out? You mentioned, uh, you mentioned a couple of front men that you really like, but are there any sort of like particular gigs or experiences with live music that really, really stand out to you? I've, I've got two. So like one was when I was about what, 12. I went to go and see Green Day and like I was just absolutely mesmerized by Billy Joe Armstrong, just the way he controlled that crowd. Um, like that, it, it it wasn't one of those moments where I looked and went like, "That's what I want to do," kind of thing. But I look back on it, I think it was one of the moments that I thought I really want to do music, and I've kind of never been that much in awe of 
a musician. And the second one is my my favorite gig ever. Uh, was Foo Fighters headlining Glastonbury, like it it yeah. felt like just this weird. I think because we I was probably like kind of uh not like halfway back but kind of in the middle so i was surrounded by a lot of people and just everybody seemed to be singing the words and it felt like kind of a really nice sense of community watching this band absolutely smash a headline set and everyone felt like a proud dad kind of watching them uh so they're 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 my two moments of uh kind of going to gigs yeah no, for sure. And yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the word community because I think that is such an important such an important part of live performance, um, especially in this day and age where like, you know, even before the pandemic where everyone was, you know, locked in their houses, like we're we're spending so much more time online, you know, it feels like we're more connected to people on the other side of the world than we are people down the street from us. And I think as a as an artist, as a performer, well the one of the best things that you're giving people is an opportunity to be in the same place, shoulder to shoulder, sharing an experience that you've all, you know, you've all chosen to come and enjoy for whatever reason. And I think that is really, really important in, in our day and age. Like, um, yeah, I mean, like, how do you sort of see, this is maybe a bit of a big question, but uh, how do you see the future of sort of music and, and live performance sort of, um, like yes post lockdown but also sort of like you know just 21st century because obviously there's been so many shake-ups with uh you know streaming services and and youtube and the way sort of bands get big and things has changed like yeah i was just wondering yeah do you have any thoughts on that it's it's a gray area uh for me um and i, I answered this question like uh, in a previous interview it's there's two things I think about Spotify. One, it's great for me and my band because we can like reach America and New Zealand and Australia in a way that when, I don't know, 20 years ago, the only way to kind of get our music out there was selling CDs at a gig. And okay, yeah, we might make 50 quid at the end of the night, but relatively between four people, that's still not much money at all. Yeah. Um, so there is the benefit of like, yeah, I can, so our guitarist, his cousin lives in New York and we can get our music to them the minute it gets released. Uh, the other thing is, the downside is, yeah, obviously like artists don't get paid at all and they kick off about kind of, oh, we're getting 0.03p a stream or whatever. But I also find it really ironic. A lot of those artists kick off. They have a Spotify account, um, and if you're really that bothered, <laughs> don't, don't don't pay into a system that you're like kind of so against. Um, I think yeah. it might change my mind if we were to make a step up and be like a kind of professional band, not playing arenas, but playing kind of one thousand capacity venues because then that's at a point where previously you would be selling CDs and actually making money from records but even then like record labels still dominated the majority of that money so if you take a 10 pound cd the artist was only getting a quid anyway um and there's other alternatives like things like Bandcamp, where you can actually make 100 percent, or i think it's 80 percent of the money um, i've not heard of Bandcamp. sorry could you tell us a bit about that 
Like, I haven't actually used it myself. It's uh, a lot of artists that use it are like kind of, I guess, kind of like the old indie artists that maybe got dropped from their record label and kind of, I think there was another thing that was similar to crowdfunder where you'd pay in to kind of making the record. So like say the band needed £2,000, people would pledge that they'll give a tenner and as soon as the record's made, they get a CD, but they give the money in advance for the band to make the record. Band camps, yeah. I guess, similar that say a band that, I don't know, like around the similar time of like the Arctic Monkeys came out, so like the Fratellis or like Razorlight, say Razorlight got dropped from their label, they can go, oh, well, we're going to put our record on Bandcamp and you can buy it for a tenner and we actually get the money this time rather than putting it on a streaming service, getting nothing or releasing a CD with a record label and still getting nothing. So there is alternatives there. I I, I think it's really hard to predict what music industry is going to look like because Spotify keeps on getting bigger and they, they've got the ability to basically become a record label and promote their own artists because playlisting for Spotify is so big now, they could go, right, we're going to sign this person and we're going to put them on all the top playlists and they'll become basically a megastar. Why on earth I don't think yeah. they've done that yet? I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting point, actually, because, yeah, that would be that'd be so easy for them to do now, wouldn't it? Like, yeah, if you just, uh, you know, you just kind of... Uh, favoring the algorithms to the artists that they've signed like yeah just yeah you're on all the playlists now congratulations like but um but yeah i think um i think that's the way to go though like because uh, i mean i'm you know i'm not a musician so my my opinion is probably not worth a whole lot on this but i would imagine spotify and uh, you know and youtube and things like that are a great way to sort of get yourself out there um but then once you start developing that that core of fans that core fan base then what you can do now that you you couldn't do so easily so long ago is the stuff you're talking about with uh, with Bandcamp and stuff you can sell directly to your audience and uh there was a oh, i can't think now um there was a rapper uh that my friend uh re reposted uh from i'll try and find the post and put it in a link but um yeah, he was saying, you know, you don't need hundreds and thousands of fans all over the world anymore. You just need a few thousand really devoted fans who really like you and are really committed. And if they're buying your stuff directly, then, you know, you can make a living off that. And, you know, Spotify and all the other stuff is just there to to get you out there even more. And, you know, like if you get 10 people listening to you, your stuff on spotify yeah maybe only one of them is gonna actually go to your website and buy something from you but that's still gonna mount up you know and uh yeah so i think i think it is gonna be positive in the long run but i think you know the business models are changing and i think as artists you know in in all fields we have to uh we have to adapt to them but uh yeah i think it's getting there you know um it's it's, a, it's an odd one because when when I decided I want to be a musician, like it's, it's not something I genuinely thought I'd be signing up for is thinking about, well, how my music gets out there and what, what like, what are my thoughts on kind of street? There's, there's like loads of other things like social media plays such a massive part now. Like it, it almost like you think you need to have a trend or have a viral video and that helps you get out there. And I never signed up to be 
this personality that needs to be on social media going, oh, I'm going to make a funny video or come up with an inventive idea. I don't mind doing it, but it's just, it's it's so weird from just like maybe when people were in the 60s and if you played a guitar and sang, you sort of got somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. But I mean, even, um, even sort of, yeah, may- maybe getting past the 60s a little bit, um, it was you know amongst the mainstream artists it was all about sort of having that personality and that brand and selling that but it was all done through you know tabloid exposure you know mm-hmm. getting in the papers oh what's Mick Jagger been up to this week you know yeah. kind of thing and now again you can do that directly um through social media and through these followings but I mean as a as a front man does that not kind of uh play to your strengths a bit because you know I know I know a lot of musicians who are um you know, they just they they're just there to, for the music kind of thing. They're not there to kind of like, uh, you know, I don't want to say show off because that's not what I'm on about. But I mean, you know what I mean. Um, they just sort of like, you know what I mean. They want to get up and they want to play their music, and that's kind of like all the attention they want. Like, uh, I, like I know Creed Clearwater. Really like. I agree with the, uh, the the show off thing. Like that. Like it's going to sound really egotistical, but I'm on stage. I know I'm showing off. Like it's 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 the one thing i think i'm good at so like i I know it sounds big-headed but i want to show off i want to show people what i can do so uh no i think there's no problem saying show off uh in terms of like the social media thing like it's weird because i think in I, i can be a front man and i can you know try and entertain people and i think but like social media it's almost about being like a comedian I think Louis Capaldi is a really good example of that. That his music is really quite depressing. It's like breakup songs, but his social media is absolutely amazing. Like the things he says, and he's hilarious. Um, I and I I don't think it is a. It's the way you kind of look at it. It can be a problem, and it can be a benefit if you get like. If I was to make a video now, put it on social media. And you got thousands and thousands of views. Of course, I wouldn't complain about having to do social media. Um, you know, it's 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 coming up with the ideas and kind of like sitting down for like a good hour each week, going, "Well, this is what we're going to post, and this is what we're going to post." I guess like twenty years ago, when Facebook wasn't was just starting, and that was kind of the first big social media front runner like bands didn't have to think about this they had a myspace page with the music at the top and just the bio that was like the the only thing they had to think about so yeah yeah no yeah it is yeah it is really interesting how it's changing and how that's um excuse me now that's affecting things oh my gosh my throat was gone Right, there we go. I'm back. <laughs> but um yeah, so I mean have you guys uh have you guys done any like sort of um big tours yet or has it all just sort of been like odd venues here and there? It's it's been kind of odd venues here and there. We tried to branch out as much as possible. I think like the, the, we started off just by doing like hometowns of where band members are from, mm. so drugs from Leeds. Uh bass players from London, but we haven't actually played London yet, that's a weird one. And like played Sheffield, Liverpool, Manchester. So it's just like different cities where we can get to. 
and trying to bunch them all together in one week so we don't have to space it out too much. Yeah, man. Well, fair play. Yeah, I'm really sorry for my throat going. This is like I only finished building this place the other week, and I think it's uh, <clears throat> it's full of dust. I've had to um, drill a few holes in the plaster, and uh, yeah, I think it will need to clean out. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, do you like? I'm guessing you guys record in a like in a proper studio that you go and rent, and that is that right for you, or do you have like a home studio somewhere? No, so weirdly, um, for when we go into the studio next week, that is like the first time we'll have gone in a big studio for about three years. Before that, um, we kind of we recorded with a student, and we weren't completely happy with like the results and the sound we were getting. Yeah. So, I ended up supporting someone solo in like a gig in Stockport that this artist that I supported supported Frank Turner like and that's how I found out about him uh-huh. and I ended up supporting him because in the day he was like oh I'm gonna do this songwriting workshop if anyone wants to come you can come and five people turned up and I was the only one who turned up with a guitar and he just said you've brought a guitar why don't you play a song so I'm like this person who I've seen on a massive stage supporting Frank Turner is like you play a song I nervously played one of my songs. And then afterwards, I just had the balls to say, well, if you need a support act tonight, I'm free. And I I really didn't think that was going to come out of my mouth when I said it, but I said it. And he went, yeah, sure. And ever since then, like, he's been really good to us. I emailed him saying, this is the songs we've got. What do you think of them? And he said, come to, our stu- come to my studio which is literally the size of what my bedroom, um, but it makes it sound completely massive. Like the songs you've played, like I, I think what's more important is the person behind the desk producing it rather than the studio that it's being made in. So it's a tiny room. We all go in individually, play our bit, and then sit in a room like and just wait for each other to finish, and that is it. We go home. And then this time will be the first time we're in a big studio. He's coming with us. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, man. Well, yeah, that's fantastic. Like, And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's always amazed me like how much you can actually do with them. Um... Sorry, this has really got to my throat. <laughs> but, yeah, it's always amazed me um, how much you can do with, um, with, you know, a small space with limited equipment uh, in terms of sound recording because uh, there's so much... It's so accessible these days, like you know. I mean, I got all my equipment off uh, off eBay and the bits for the studio. I kind of got second hand and this, that, the other here and there. Um, but yeah, really cool, man. Really cool. Um, so uh, yeah, I think uh, I think we're about ready to finish up. Um, is there anything anything else you kind of want to leave us on? Any any sort of tell you what I'd like to ask you. Um, because you guys are really like on the up right now. Um. Do you have any advice for for people who are starting out, um, trying to get somewhere? Because I think I think you did touch on something really good when you said about, um, you know, you just you just asked this guy, do you need a support act? And I think that's really important for for all artists and creatives to don't be afraid to ask, put yourself mm-hmm. out there, have the confidence because you never know what's going to come of it. But uh, yeah, any anything sort of specifically from you? I mean, I've only been asked that once before, and it's a real weird situation to be in, someone asking me for advice when I don't really feel like 
I've done a lot myself. Um, I I think the only thing I can say is just keep like uh, a good what's the word? Uh, keep a good momentum because once the momentum stops, that's when you kind of fall out of wanting to do things. So if and that's what we were trying to do before the lockdown. We had like a whole plan for the year of like we're going to do a gig this bit, we're going to release a single, we're going to do a, a gig a month later after the single. So once you've got a plan, so you can plan out your year, plan where the singles are going to come, plan where the gigs are going to come, and then as well as that, you'll be doing your social media, you want to be posting like, if you've released a single, you want to be posting every day because there's always a chance with algorithms on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, that out of the 800 followers you might have, 500 might miss that post because it doesn't work out the way you want to because you're pretty much advertising and Facebook has people paying for adverts. So momentum, keep posting, keep doing gigs, plan out your year, keep doing singles. Once that momentum stops, that's when things become difficult. And then if you keep working hard, then you'll meet more people, the opportunities come. Yeah, that's, that's what all I can say. Well, I think that's a fantastic note to end on there. Um, so, yeah, thanks very much, Nick Ball from Nick Ball and the Wrong Crowd. And, uh, yeah, if people want to catch you, um, tune into the Leeds Cabaret Extravaganza. Um, I'll put some posts up about that on uh, on the Teapot Cast page. And, uh, yeah, I wish you all the best, man, and uh, good luck with the rest of the year. And, uh, yeah, it's been great having you, dude. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure, man. I appreciate it, mate. Cheers. All right. Bye-bye, then. Bye.